Uh, we're a little more casual for summer today, and we'll get to be casual for a little while this summer. So it's good to hang out with you guys and worship together. And as we do, we're starting a new sermon series today that we'll look at over the course of the summer. We're going to be looking at Paul's letter to the Ephesians together. Uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians has, has meant a tremendous amount in my heart and life, and so that's why I love to preach on it and share about it. And so we're going to kind of be going through bit by bit over the next several weeks. Uh, but it's a great book about God's love for us. And uh, it's also a great book. I, th I think it was kind of Paul's teaching letter. I think he wrote this with the idea that we'll give this to Ephesus and then Ephesus can give it to Philippi and Philippi could give it to Corinth and we can pass it around. It's a great letter on how to live faith daily and how it should make an impact on the choices we make and the way we live and the way we do life. And so today we begin in the first chapter of Ephesians starting in verse 3. I'm going to be reading for the, from the New Revised Standard Version this morning, uh, which, which is a little different. Usually I use the NIV, but here's what Paul writes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, that we might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, you were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you pray with me? You are a good father. And I pray just in some way, shape, or form, Lord, through the presence and power of your spirit work in us today that we might realize how good a father you really are. And may it shape the men in this world so that we might be better fathers. And may it shape our world with your goodness and love that everyone may know that you are a father to all, especially a father to the fatherless. I pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Now it is Father's Day, and uh, so as we begin Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he begins with the phrase, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul starts in his letter by reminding us that God isn't just a creator, but that he is the good father and the best father. And I think that's a word that our community, our world, we desperately need to hear. Because as I mentioned, there are so many today, through whatever circumstances, dad maybe hasn't been there. For others, dad died way too early or left way too early. Others, maybe some type of father was there or stepfather was there, but in their brokenness, in their anger, perhaps there was not a lot of love in that relationship. Perhaps there was more abuse or hostility or brokenness. And so I, I acknowledge that in our world filled with brokenness, that some of us don't have a good image of father. And as a result, in the church sometimes, we've tried to shy away from viewing God as Father. I know I was worshiping uh, with other church community not too long ago and, and noticed that one of the uh, pastors who got up to pray, prayed to God, our heavenly parent, who loves us and cares for us and continued on with his prayers. And, and I understand the heart of that because if we haven't had a good father, at least hopefully we've had some kind of good parent in our life. And then later on in that service, similar service, we sang a hymn. And in the hymn, it usually would be a hymn saying, celebrating the fatherhood of God. But in this hymn, they changed it to God our Creator. Again, trying to help reach out to those who are hurt because the idea of dad hasn't been a positive one for their lives. But my hope is not that we would quit using the term father. I don't think we need to use it less. I really wish we could use it more and give it a proper context, a proper relationship, a, pop, a, a proper way to, to celebrate it, to help those who, who like Donald Miller, for instance. I don't know if you know Donald Miller. He's a popular Christian writer. He wrote a book years ago called To Own a Dragon to own a dragon kind of a strange title but it was about donald miller's life growing up without having a dad and so for him this idea of what a dad looked like for instance um is just kind of imaginary it was about as real to him as owning a dragon and so that's kind of what i want to speak in today to know that even when for those of us who've had good fathers, that's great, that's awesome. But if you haven't had a dad close by that you've gotten to know and love and care for, to know this morning especially that there is a father for all of us. He will always be there for all of us. His love is tremendous for all of us. And he is the one that shows us what fatherhood really is all about because all of us are kind of broken dads none of us are perfect we don't get it all right there's only one who does 
and that is the God our Father. And so, as we look at the scripture today, I want to share with you eight facets of what the best father looks like. Eight facets of the best father's love and how that reflects in our lives. Because in this passage, Paul packs in eight ways that he celebrates God the Father's work through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in all our lives. And so let's look at that together. I'll try to go through them quickly. First is, is that the Father is one who loves to bless his children. The Father is one who loves to bless his children. As Paul writes here, God the Father has blessed us in Christ with not just some spiritual blessings, not just a few spiritual blessings, but every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The first picture of God as Father that we get is a picture of a Father who loves to bless, who fa a Father who knows that it's not about taking for himself, making him bigger or him better or him look more important for the family. But instead, God the Father is a Father who loves to give, who loves to offer, who loves to share love and joy and happiness and fun and creativity in our lives. And there is an abundance of this resource, not just here on earth, but in God's realm and the heavenly places that's available to us. God is a God who gives and blesses as a good father. Then second, we see not just a God of blessing, but we see a God who longs for his children's very best. A father who longs for his children's very best. A God who claims us as chosen and destined. God who claims us, you are chosen by him. You are destined in him. Now, in this chosenness and destinedness, uh, as Methodists, we interpret it a little different than our brothers and sisters who are more Presbyterian. They tend to see this as God choosing who's, who's, who's in the family and who's not, who's saved and who's not. I don't think that's what Paul is after. Instead, Paul is reminding us that we are destined to become something more than we are right now. That's what's destined. The, God's purpose is destined. God's plan is destined. God's future is destined. And that future is that we would be before him in Jesus Christ in holiness and blamelessness. That word blameless there is used to refer to the, to the offering of a sacrifice in the ancient world. When you offered a sacrifice, you wanted it to be blameless without blemish. No mark, no nothing perfect. And so God's desire from before the foundation of the world, Paul writes, is that he has loved us from that very first day and from that very first day in Jesus Christ. He has chosen us to be shaped in a way that we will achieve the best of who we were made to be. Doesn't that sound like a good dad? Shouldn't a good dad want his kids to be the best version of themselves that they can be? And that doesn't mean that a mom and dad choose their occupation or choose you know, what they do in life, but it means their character. God is after 
us to have a holy and blameless character. And not just that, but the third thing is, is that the Father is a Father with a big heart, and He loves having a big family. God is a Father with a big heart, and He loves having a big family. And because of that, He loves to adopt new children into His family. And that's what He writes next. He has destined us for adoption as His children through the Son, Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of His will. The Father's heart, brothers and sisters, is a heart that loves to adopt those that are left out, that are on the sideline, that don't feel good enough. I appreciate Angela sharing with us both her story and the story of the lady who had gone through the Refuge Pregnancy Center, stories that remind us that when we don't feel good enough, God's heart is still that we would see our place in his family. That's why Jesus died. That's why he took the nails of the cross, not because we were unworthy, but because God saved us in our unworthiness and claimed us and said, you are mine. You're mine. I don't care about your past. I don't care about what you've done. I don't care about the failure that you've been. I don't care if you've had parents that have told you you'll never amount to anything. I'm your father, and I'm telling you who you are. And I'm telling you, you are mine. As a dad, I, I hope to be that same way. When uh, when the kids bring over their friends to our house, I hope their experience in our household of the friends in the neighborhood is that, you know what? We feel like we have an extra set of parents because of Andrea and Chris. Because the heart of a father is wanting to make the family bigger. Then fourthly, a heart of a father loves, and in that love calls us the beloved. The heart of the Father loves, and in that love calls us the beloved. And that's what he shares next. That God has given his glorious grace, bestowed on us in the beloved Jesus Christ, but in other places in Scripture, he also includes us, that we are the one God loves. And in that love, we find the next qualities. And that is, we see in the father, a father who, when the family runs off like the prodigal son and goes far away, in Jesus and in the father's love is one who calls us home. So number, number five is this. A father's heart always runs after the lost children. A father's heart always runs after the lost children. Here it says, In Jesus he has redeemed us and forgiven us our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he's lavished on us. And so we have this picture of God buying us back when we're far away. And as Paul shares this, I know what Paul was probably thinking. 
He's thinking about his story and how he relates to this too. Because you see, Paul, right, thought he was on the right track. He thought he was doing everything he was supposed to. Paul was living life as the best Jewish person he could be. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees taught by the most brilliant uh, teachers in all of Israel. He was up and coming, you know, the top uh, 500 under 30 in Israel, right? He thought he had everything. And he thought this Jesus thing was on the wrong track. And so if, if they were stoning Stephen, he was right there saying, yes, this guy deserves to die. And then he would chase the followers of Jesus and throw them into prison. And he was hard to destroy this spiritual movement of Jesus Christ. He thought he was doing the right thing until that road to Damascus, right? When God opened his eyes and said, uh, you know, Saul, why are you kicking after the goats? Why are you on the wrong side of the fence? And in that moment, Paul realized that all his, everything he'd done, everything he thought was important, everything he thought was achieving him eternal glory, it was all a big pile of manure, right? He says that in Galatians. It's all a big pile of dung. It's a mess. I, I didn't get anything out of it. And yet Paul stands amazed that, it, that God didn't let him run off and stay on the wrong track, but God bought him back through Jesus Christ. God forgave his sin, even joining and killing someone and throwing people in prison. And God chose him for a greater purpose. And so it's a reminder that we are all called and encouraged to come home. Then the sixth is a father who loves to lavish an abundance on his children. A father who loves to lavish an abundance on his children. So much of our world, we have a theology of scarcity. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough stuff. I don't have the car I'd like to have, or I don't have the house I'd like to have, or or I don't have the friends I would like to have, or I'm not popular enough, or we come up with all these excuses why we don't have enough. But yet God says, listen, life isn't about scarcity, it's about abundance. And I want to lavishly give you everything you need to be your best. I won't hold anything back. Whatever it takes, I'll forgive, I'll clean you up, I'll restore you, I'll empower you, I'll give you all you need. You have all you need to navigate the challenge of this life. May we have that understanding that God is a father who lavishes abundance on his children. Number seven, God is also a God. Our father has a clear purpose for our world. He has a clear purpose for our world, and his greatest joy is when we join him in accomplishing that purpose. Here Paul writes and says, let me see if I can find it, that he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on the earth. In Christ we have also... No, that, that's what I wanted. 
he is that's the purpose to gather up all things in him things in heaven and things on the earth god desires us to be tools to bring the world closer together under his family reign and rule and god loves it when we get on board with his purpose and find ways to love others to welcome others to make a home for others to let this be a place where all are welcome at god's kingdom table trusting that he'll work in their hearts and lives we are called to be a part of our father's purpose to bring the world together in love and then the eighth okay we've made it the last one the eighth one is a father loves to prepare us a great inheritance a good father loves to prepare us a great inheritance and paul concludes with that he tells us twice you have an awesome inheritance god has a kingdom waiting for us he has resurrection waiting for us he has eternal life waiting for us he has the joy of a an amazing community we talk about in the creed the communion of the saints there is a a worldwide community that's awaiting us in heaven that's filled with all kinds of people from all kinds of places speaking all kinds of languages embracing all kinds of cultures but they'll all be gathered around the throne together in god's love and that inheritance is for us and we know that we are on the family path we know we're on the family path because of the gift of his holy spirit Paul concludes by saying it's the gift of the Holy Spirit which is God's pledge that our inheritance is real that our redemption is coming to the praise of his glory and so today the gift of the Holy Spirit reminds us that we have a father that will be with us always that no one can take away a father of blessing a father of love, a father who wants to adopt the lost, a father who says you're chosen and I have the best for you, a father who lavishes us, a father who gives us his spirit, a father who calls us to a purpose. And this is the kind of father that I hope to be as much as I can for my kids. And I hope you do too. I close with one final story and then we'll go home. It's of a young man, his name's Alec Douglas. Alec grew up in a good Christian home, had great parents. His mom had multiple sclerosis, and so that affected their family life a good bit. But as he got older, he got to those teenage years, and he began to get an itch for mischief. You know, not major trouble, but just a little bit of trouble. You know, just the kind of trouble you can kind of get away with and never get caught. So he thought until one day he came home from the movie theater and he'd kind of gotten on a bench. He figured out he could pilfer from mom and dad's bank account and they would never find out. Until he got home that day and mom and dad sat him down around the dinner table and said, Alex, we noticed some funds missing from our bank account. What's going on? He said in that moment he felt like the lowest worm ever. And all the little trouble that he'd gotten into that he'd been able to hide all came back and tumbled onto him. He said he felt so bad, he ran into his bedroom, he slammed the door, he pushed all his 
you know, dresser and everything up, in, you know, so nobody could get in. He was just going to stay in the room the rest of his life because he felt like rubbish. He felt worthless. He felt like he had failed as a child. What is it about me that wanted to do something like this? And in the midst of his pity party, he hears a knock at the door. And his dad says, can I come in? And he doesn't say a thing. His dad waits for a while. And then finally says, okay, I'll go. But before I do, I need you to know that your mom and I love you. We're just confused. We've tried in our lives to give you everything you need. And we just want to know what's going on. And if I could, if you'd let me, I'd love to come in and give you a hug. Alex says that that moment he'll remember for the rest of his life. As he's no longer that teenage rebellious kind of boy, but he's grown into a follower of Jesus and he sees in his dad a little bit of the character of our perfect father who blesses, who forgives, who seeks to redeem and wrap his loving arms around us as if we were his one and only child. Like Alex, Let's let God's love be a father for us so that we might be the moms and dads, mothers and fathers to those of our broken world, not just our family, but others in need. May the Lord help us do it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you.